You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and thanks for joining me here on this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and this week good quality ingredients from Ireland are in the spotlight thanks to a visit to the Urban Co-op's new premises in Limerick and award-winning chef JP McMahon who is the Symposium Director of Food on the Edge. JP will join us on the phone tonight to tell us about this year's Food on the Edge which takes place next Monday and Tuesday. But before we hear from our first guest this evening... A quick reminder of how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. The email is s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So the Urban Co-op in Limerick has moved to new premises on the Bally Simon Road in Limerick City. I called there last week to meet Deirdre McMahon and Anne Maher to visit them in their new home. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sharon, you're very welcome to our fabulous new premises. I hope you agree. Um, we've just been here now about six weeks and it's going really well so far. So we are um, constantly looking around to see how far we have come in the five years that the co-op has been in existence. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, we started as a 19 member buying club way back in July 2013 um, with only four suppliers, which is mad to think about now. And um, we grew it really, really very, very slowly, very organically, if you like. And um, we were in uh, our first premises was in Mulgrave Street, a very small place, um, but a good place to start. And we were there for um, two and a half years. And then we moved. We needed a bigger place and we moved to Tate House up in South Hill, which was uh, much bigger and a really nice atmosphere because um, Tate House Community Enterprise is also a social enterprise. So they were very supportive to us and we were able to grow there, which was really wonderful for us. And um, in September 2016, we um, were featured on RTE on Nationwide. And also around the same time, we took on a development manager. And really from then, the place has kind of started to take off, which is fantastic. And um, we got to the point where we needed to move again because we just needed a bigger place. And we had gotten to um, the point that the place was so overcrowded that we lost the nice kind of friendly standing around having a chat atmosphere. But at the same time, the customers were looking for more and more products to the expanding range. So we made the decision to move here. So we're here now in the Eastway Business Park. Um, very near the NCT so it's an extremely easy place to find which we didn't have when we were in South Hill it was a bit tricky to find and um, we have over 70 suppliers now that would be Irish suppliers a lot of them local and um, we've increased the range to you know have way more organic much more meat much more um, fruit and vegetables um, lots of bulk buy for people who are interested in zero waste shopping and um as well as the much bigger shop space, we now have uh, fantastic rooms available because our overall vision is to create a community wellness hub. You started off with 19 members. How many do you have now? We just recently crossed the big magic threshold of a thousand. 
So at our recent official opening event, um, we celebrated our 1000th member and gave her the honor of cutting the cake, which was amazing. I think we're just gone over 1020 now. So it's it's great to see that growth in it you know okay they don't all come and shop every week but they're supporting us and um they all get a newsletter every wednesday and um yeah it's brilliant to have that that support and it's a very modest membership fee yes it's only one euro (laughs) now we may change that in the future but for now you can come and join for one euro and that entitles you to come in and do your shopping here so you have everything that anybody would want to get in their weekly shop we do. We feel really that at the, this point that it's almost a full supermarket. So, you know, we are obviously keeping our core values of wholesome, affordable food. Um, so we don't sell uh, rubbish. We don't sell... Um, no processed food. Very little processed food. I mean, obviously we have, you know, chocolate bars and stuff like that. But um, generally, you'll know what's in it. With It's it's made with real food ingredients, um, but most 99% of what's on sale here is a real food product. It's not, you know, it hasn't been made somewhere. And um, the we don't sell anything low fat. We don't, um, we don't sell foods that are bad for you. We sell wholesome, affordable food. So even the chocolate bars are good for you. They're very good <laughs> chocolate bars. Very good chocolate bars made locally, made with really good ingredients and avoiding what is in a lot of chocolate bars that people don't know about, you know, is the things like the fillers and the modified starch and the hydrogenated oils. So ours don't have any of those. Now, Anne, you are a public health nutritionist Mm -hmm. and you've been involved from the start. Why did you decide to get involved? I I had got to know Dee through one of the suppliers, actually. Um, We were both getting Caroline Rigney's bacon and we met over some joints of bacon at Caroline's stall, I think at the Crescent Shopping Centre actually. Um, but we were also interested um, in dietary changes for our children because we both have children with special needs. Um, and we, it kind of came from there. So we got together, uh, we would have been talking about what we were doing and Dee ended up telling me about the Urban Co-op which was called Limerick Community Grocery at the time. So I started making the journey to come down and support it and shop there. I live in Tipperary, so it was a bit of a journey, but I liked what the concept of it and basically um, ended up joining the board with a little bit of persuasion from Deal and um, there just before we moved to Tate House. And so I'm on the board since, but again, very interested in the concept of it. It's not just about being a cooperative, but the idea of it, being a place that you can get access to really nourishing food. Because as a parent, I was trying to get nourishing food and I was going directly to the farms or I was going direct, you know, going to different sources and it was very time consuming. So the idea of all the food coming in one place was suited me personally. But again, like it's one of those things once you get involved and it's very hard to uninvolve yourself. but. Uh, this the co-op has helped so many people and it's not just a shop it is a source of nourishment it's a source of well-being and we really have been able to develop to this point where we're kind of there are a lot of people on similar wavelengths and you know be able to capture i suppose the skills and knowledge of the members and bringing it it together to give something like this because um you know great initiative start with somebody making a brave decision 
you know so um, it's it's very badly needed um, and it does fit a need so and I think it's important to highlight that a number of the people or if not most of the people involved voluntary they don't get paid for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have is it five people that are employed part-time a mixture of part-time and full-time yes and you mentioned the development manager brian who has done sterling work since he came Mm -hmm. on board yeah and this didn't happen overnight either um like we have the core of volunteerism but as money came through we started to take people on and again obviously that brings its own human resources issues but as the place got bigger we needed more staff we um it wouldn't work if everyone got paid it just there isn't enough money for that but the idea of making it a sustainable workplace is one of the the goals of the urban co-op as well but um the, thankfully, we've you know there have been schemes like TUS, which have been very very supportive of us, and um, but it's been great as well to be able to say right, we can take people on after these schemes that we're not just saying, you know, you can go after your scheme is finished. So the idea we of people getting useful work experience and actually wanting to stay on is kind of a good feedback for us that people actually like what we do but everyone becomes part of the community here as well it's all part of a team that it works because everyone works together um the voluntary aspect as well is is very important you know because when you tell people that you are a volunteer it it really changes their kind of idea of what it is you know and then they 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 do look at you kind of going wow you must really care about this place you know if you're coming and volunteering I mean, some of us are completely nuts and we spend a lot of time here, but then we also have volunteers who just come in for one or two hours a week. And every person that comes, every new volunteer that comes brings a new energy and brings new ideas. But I have to say, I certainly have found that one of the best feelings I ever got was giving somebody a job. It's just been wonderful to do that. You know, we've we've had a, a core group of volunteers and then had just one or two staff for a long time. So suddenly to have five staff. And now some of them are on tiny hours and then some of them are on 35 hours. So it, it's a big range. But I really look forward to the day when we have actually got more jobs here with the core group of volunteers. And I'd say one major Uh, characteristic that you must have to volunteer here is you must share your passion and your your Mm. love for the nutritious food that is on sale here like that's not something that you can teach somebody there might be a little spark of it there Mm. in them and that you can certainly ignite the flame by being here but if if you have people that just don't get what the cooking from scratch is all about with good quality ingredients well if you if you wanted to come and volunteer here you're obviously motivated to come in the door um, and you would have some interest in what we're doing now it's been interesting from the type of people that have volunteered their skills or their expertise and it's amazing what We've got good at asking people, say, what, what are you good at? What can you offer us? And actually people are more than willing, more than willing to give. You know, and people have donated furniture to us. They have donated their time, you know, when we were moving over here in terms of painting, doing cleaning, whatever. Like heavy lifting. Heavy lifting. <laughs> vans, whatever. Um, and 
we do recognise how important volunteerism is. It's actually very good for people, for the individual to volunteer to contribute. But um, we like the fact that we provide a forum for people to, to volunteer. And actually a volunteer can actually feel that their, their work is valued here. You know, there is, I suppose because we're in a much bigger building, there's lots more to do. And we have thankfully got a lot of volunteers who, who come regularly and people move, come and go in their own time as well. It's interesting um, as well, though, that they, while a lot of them do come in with that interest, you know, in food, but they actually aren't all interested in food. So we've had a couple of new volunteers, one of whom really just wanted something different and just comes one day a week, but just was looking for a change, not particularly um educated in food, we'll say, but loves food and is very interested in food. But uh, when he comes and does his few hours, he is asking all of the questions about the food and why is this better for me and why is why should I buy this versus this? And so that's very interesting. And then we have had a couple of people come in uh, recently as well who really don't know anything about food, but they just wanted to be involved with the cooperative. So, you know, you do get people from lots of different walks of life. They're not necessarily foodies, but um, I suppose the majority of them would be interested in food. And uh, always uh, a great way to introduce people to new foods is by doing tastings. And whenever I was here a month or two ago, Sean from Cratlow Hills was here with his sheep's cheese doing tastings. Do you find that suppliers are very open to that, to coming in and Extremely letting people very, try yeah, their words yeah. and engaging with the customers? Yeah, and the night the of the, we had our official launch there just um, two weeks ago and the what we did was we set up a little kind of mini market in the shop so we had 10 of our local suppliers and it was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. because people were you know coming in for the for the music and for the food and everything but they were wandering around really at their leisure spending a lot of time talking to to the suppliers and we, we had a nice mix as well you know we had uh, Sean was here again He's and great. he is yeah. great and we had uh, Bramble Cottage beautiful chutneys and we had Kayla Kombucha and we even had uh, Sonnet Ireland who do cleaning products and so you know it was a lovely lovely mix but we do try to have at least one or two tastings a week now because we have the space for starters and I think uh, for some people they're coming for the food but for a lot of people that direct contact Contact, with the producer is it's just so meaningful for them you know that they can ask those questions why did you decide to make this product and what's different about your cheese you know a lot of people really really interested in where their food comes from people need to connect back to where the food comes from like I would give talks in schools and different things and I have noticed that over the years a lot of school kids you know they are forgetting they have no idea where food is coming from and it's something we used to talk about years ago where kids in the cities that they wouldn't know that milk came from a cow etc but when you have kids in rural areas not knowing we have an issue. Absolutely. I had a guest on um, a few weeks ago. He takes the mobile farm out and he was saying one of the questions that he has been asked is, well, if milk comes from a cow and if eggs come from chickens, well, why do the sausages not just come straight <laughs> out of the pig? Which, you know, we can laugh about it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, gulp, you know, milk, what a yes. question. Yeah. Mental image. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's not go there. So like education has Mm. such it takes different forms in different guises. But it's all contributing to down the line and 
and having a nation of children growing up to be adults with the same love and passion and, and interest and knowledge about food that both of you have. But also, like, say the first day we opened here, we even had the, the local crash came to visit. And if you think about life as a child nowadays, if you go into a, nor- a normal shop as such, or a, a, a typical supermarket, it is like a, a sugar fest. You know, you are bombarded with products. And if you go to the till, any parent talking about shopping with their child will tell you that it is far from pleasant. Um, but that is how a child sees where they get their food. And that is the education that's going into their head. So we're Unless we, they shop here. Unless they shop here. But the idea of coming here is like you actually do connect with where your food comes from. And it's a huge education for them. And for parents, it's a much um, easier experience. Now, we have a small area here. In our, it's, it's not that small. It's a big area where there are toys for children. Um, and often parents leave their children to play with the toys and go and quietly, you know, able to shop in peace. You can, you know, make a cup of tea for yourself, sit and, and you know, read a book, whatever, chill out here and... Um, the shop, the shopping experience. Again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the shop itself is also very child friendly. We have a we have a yellow brick road, and there's a rainbow, and you know, and there's some animals painted on the wall, and that and that itself is a huge distraction for them. You know, if they if they if they're smaller children, then they need to stay with their parent when they come in. They have a, we have a little kid sized trolley, and they go off with the trolley, and they do the run of the yellow brick road, and they stand mm-hmm. talking at the rainbow, wondering what's on the door, the magic door underneath, and you know it's just fantastic because they just think of shopping as something fun, and they um you know they can pick up the stuff and they're putting it into their little pink trolley and the whole lot, so it's it's a different experience, you know. And it's not you know supermarkets are taking on board say the autism friendly um, nights and things like that. Um, because it is such a sensory overload that they have to turn down the sound, turn down the lights, whatever. And we don't have those that sensory overload here all the time. So it's this is just normal. It's always a comfortable place for anybody with special needs to come shopping. You know, I mean, that's obviously because we both have children with special needs that would be at the forefront of our mind yeah. all the time. We don't have music playing. The lights are, you know, very high up in the ceiling. So they're not, you know, they're not very glary. Um, there's nothing up very high it's you know it's a, just an easy place to shop it's all about the food and the like a normal experience as opposed to pasture par and mm. yeah okay yeah, and a lot of customers report that it's just nicer to you know get away from that environment you know um, and it just happens that we're coming into that time when people are appreciating that more and more but we have found that with here as well, because of the extra space, that we are focusing on extra areas of health, like coping strategies with you know, yoga, pilates, meditation. So we facilitate that here. Um, and we will be having classes, etc., as well, like cookery classes and um, demonstrations. Um, but again, it's directed by the members. And like if members come to us and say, well, you know, how about doing such and such? We'll go, okay, let's see what we can do. But three homes in five years, that's quite a lot. Like (laughs) five years is a very short space of time to go from 19 members to 1,020. Like what does the next 
five years old are you going to move three more times no we are never <laughs> moving <laughs> again <laughs> this move was a much bigger event than the previous two moves and um but it was funny because we weren't we weren't terrified of it either yes yeah, was having done it before but um no what we have here because this is such a large space is we have room to expand and we have um really room to create that community wellness hub that we've been sort of thinking about for several years um, the shop has massive rooms room for you know more expansion we have a gigantic storeroom which is we've never ever had that like so that that's just wonderful for making it much easier for the staff for for suppliers for everybody to get everything in and out so uh no we definitely won't be moving from here <laughs> we're here for the long term we without have, doubt um, you know branches <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah anything is possible like two years ago we wouldn't have seen that we would have moved here we don't know you know um like it's we're open and in terms of promoting yourselves and advertising like social media has been a huge help but probably word of mouth has been the the best form yeah. of marketing yeah. for yeah. you word of mouth is huge you know and especially when it's something a little bit different um, people do want to tell everybody else but there's no doubting that the social media is very important you know certainly um, and we're, we're not brilliant at it I mean we have we have a reasonable following but we don't have a marketing person we don't have a social media person we're all just doing it as we as we get along as we found out last night sometimes it doesn't go well for you but sometimes you know usually we're just promoting the the new products and the classes and that kind of thing but word of mouth yeah when people really believe in a place like this they do tell everybody so it's very very important and the exposure nationwide must have been very helpful also very very welcome at the time i know you said it was six in 2016 it was actually 2017 oh thanks sorry um, <laughs> but the it overnight overnight we had people who were traveling greater distances and quite a lot of the older people um we found because of maybe the cohort watching nationwide but um, and a lot of them have stayed loyal customers since it's been fantastic and thankfully we were in a position at the time we had just hired our manager brian through the support of regeneration limerick it has to be said um and so we were ready for it at the time. Yeah, so the timing was perfect. The timing was perfect. and mm. uh, But very quickly, it's steamrolled towards, say that was, it, it went out in September 17. Yes, they filmed it in May and it went out in September. Yeah. moved within the year because of that, really. So that's um, a happy problem. But um, And it was really the combination of the two. You know, we knew Nationwide was coming for a long time. And then, as Anne said, with the help of Regeneration Limerick, we took on Brian and you know brian really hit the ground running he, he has been an incredible force coming in here we're very very lucky to have him and but those two things happening at the same time you know it was really just skyrocketed from there and um, because we were very comfortable even in tate house we didn't have any we weren't looking for anywhere else you know and it just suddenly became a oh goodness we what are we going to do you know but it has all happened really kind of easily enough in a lot of ways because, you know, Brian is on top of it all and um, we've our good board, so but, it's been great. But to be fair to both of you, you obviously have great organisational skills because along with your colleague Brandon, you organised the Western Price Foundation Conference two mm. t- two or three years off them. Three, t- three yeah. years yeah. off them. Yeah. Three, yeah. Again, when you look back, you say, gosh, how did we do it? 
and it seemed like a good idea at the time when we started <laughs> off. But honestly, you know, it just felt right. And feel. again, um, coming back to something you said a while ago, it was very needed, you know, mm-hmm. to be getting that kind of education out there about, you know, that a lot of the dietary um, regulations really are not right and are not leading us in the right direction, you know, and to get that information out there that, well, actually, there is a whole pile of science saying that you should be eating lots of fat and, you know, that that message needed to be heard very badly. And we did the three conferences and they were absolutely a gigantic amount of work. But certainly after the third one, we really felt, I think we we've actually done enough here now. What we really need to do now is to focus on the co-op and on the shop and on making those foods that we talked about in the conference available to people and available at hopefully an affordable price. Everybody doesn't think they are affordable, but we know they are, you know, the supplier is getting a good price and we're just putting the minimum margin on it because we have a lot of volunteers. But that's the thing now is we focus Mm -hmm. on the shop and we'd certainly still love to do um, educational talks, but I think the need for a big weekend conference, you know, it's maybe not as... We don't see the need for it as much. Now, there are the functional medicine conferences are in Ireland as well. Like, and, and again, we have a network. But as, as Dee said, which is very, very important, you can give dietary information, but when people choose to eat a certain way, they need to have access to that food. So, for example, say raw milk would be a big food that we really promote here that it would make no sense if if the regulations didn't support that in Ireland if the farmers didn't understand how important that food was to us as consumers so we found we were educating the farmers and realizing that Irish suppliers need to be valued they need to be very passionate about their foods themselves and we noticed that a lot of suppliers are actually leaving leaving the work you know they're stressed they're underpaid they um, they're undervalued so one of the reasons that we focused on the co-op was to maintain our food supply and do you find that whenever you started out at the whenever we first started talking and you said about having to go here there and everywhere for supplies to go Mm. to different suppliers do you find that suppliers are coming to you now and saying, I do this product, yes. will you yes, stock yes. it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it's really about, you know, making access to the food easier. Really, we keep saying to customers, this is the shop we would have wanted five, six, seven years ago ourselves. Mm. And like the history of food in Ireland, we have just amazing farmers and they haven't been valued you know, they, they, the people who expect to buy their chicken for a fiver in the supermarket, are, do they ever think about what they, what did that farmer get paid for that? You know, the farmer needs to get paid for the, for the work that goes in to produce a chicken properly that is outdoors, that is running around, that is, you know, making vitamin D from the sun, that is being fed properly, that is able to, you know, scratch around in the soil and eat the grubs. And that's, that's what makes healthy meat. That farmer needs to be paid for that work and that we, you know, we need to get that message across to people that then, you know, if you are going to um, pay for a really good chicken, that maybe you need to sacrifice something else. You know, maybe you, you go to the pub less or maybe you buy less magazines or you, you, you know, you just prioritize your spending on food. And the suppliers that are with us are very conscious that that, that is a big part of our message. 
and certainly we are getting a lot of we get a lot more of suppliers coming to us rather than us looking for them these days i actually had a new person yesterday who came in she's got a brand new product uh, i'm aware of it for a while but it's not out there in the shops yet and she wanted us to be one of her first um suppliers which is fantastic because she knows the people who come here will value their food will va- will prioritize spending on food and so that's why she wants it to be here so it's great that that message is getting out there now we have to do less of the finding people they're coming to us absolutely so. yeah and you know the i suppose the big multiple supermarkets would one of the issues that suppliers would have talked about would have been that they might be paid it might take three months for them to be paid 90 days and we aim to pay people within the month like in some cases in some suppliers we pay them weekly you know and we prioritize it you know it is just so important that suppliers must be looked after without the suppliers we have no shop well just one more reason to shop here it is a fabulous environment great products congratulations to both of you and your team on your new premises amazing well done thank you Sharon for your support you're very welcome continued success thank you very much so if you want to follow us, we're on all of the social medias. <laughs> we have uh, we're the Urban Co-op on Facebook. We are at the Urban Co-op. I think there's an underscore in the co-op on Twitter. And we are also uh, Urban Co-op Limerick on Instagram. And our website is www.theurbancoop.ie. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Deirdre McMahon and Anne Maher in the Urban Co-op's new premises in Limerick City. If you're just tuning in now and you missed the start of the show you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the thetaste.com i.e. website. Now next up tonight we're going to the phone to talk to award winning chef JP McMahon. JP has many strings to his bow including a portfolio of restaurants in Galway including the Michelin star Anir. He's a Fulcher Ireland food champion, is a regular on TV cookery slots and is currently doing a PhD and that list goes on. Four years ago JP founded Food on the Edge, a coming together of top international chefs for a two-day food symposium in Galway City on the Wild Atlantic Way. It's a not-for-profit conference seeking to make good food accessible for everyone and it takes place next week on Monday the 22nd and Tuesday the 23rd of October. And JP is on the phone now to give us more details. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. JP, you're very welcome to the show this evening. And this is the fourth year of Food in the Age. Take us back to the first year and tell us why you decided to start this initiative. Um, I suppose initially it was done to promote Irish food and to make more people aware of Irish food, particularly, I suppose, where the chefs that are um, that are in the world and to get them to come to Ireland. It's a very impressive lineup that you've had every year. Give us a few examples of the people that have been coming from day one that come back year after year. Oh, I suppose um, so <clears throat> Matt Orlando, the, the American chef who's, who's in uh, Copenhagen, has I think has come every year. Nathan Outlaw um, has been here a few years and he's, he's coming back again this year. 
Um, we also had some other high profilers like Marcelo Batora and Virgilio uh, Martinez from Central. And it, it's great. They all come and by the time they leave, they're friends and there's always a willingness to come back. And I think that's what's, what makes Food in the Edge really special. It's about bringing speakers back to get them to explore Ireland further. The, the couple of times that I've been up there, I've always been struck by how impressed the visitors are with the Irish cuisine, like the food that you provide in collaboration with the Foodie Forum, uh, Jacinta Dalton and Cormac Handy. Like it's a very important element of the two days. No, absolutely. And, and this year, um, Gather Gather, who are our main sponsor, are, are, are doing the food with uh, Jacinta and Cormac. And it's great because Gather and Gather attended the Mark, their executive chef, attended year two and was so blown away by it. He said, "How do he was like? How do I get involved in this?" And it's it's really great to that it brings lots of the Irish food community together as well. But I mean, the the, uh, the speakers and the, the delegates are always blown away by the quality of the food, and particularly in terms of the wonderful products that we have, whether it's shellfish, whether we have mussels in Killary Harbour, or we have Kelly's oysters, or we have a load of farmhouse cheese, or some charcuterie or bread, like it's it's really wholesome and there's great hospitality and I suppose they, they, I mean that's what we do well, you know, and I think I think people really, uh, particularly um, people who come here really love that. And the knock-on effect of the chefs experiencing some of that Irish cuisine is that they've gone on to buy it, to have it and serve in their own restaurants. Absolutely, and it's all about giving the chefs that attend, the Irish chefs, more confidence to know that that the Irish food is is uh, is, is is great because often it's uh, it's 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 sometimes it's uh, it's not the most readily um, taught thing. I mean, whether they're buying I don't know uh, chicken from Holland or buying ham from from Denmark because it's cheaper. But really, what what's the most essential part is that well. When you buy food, um, Irish food, you're you're involved in the the community and the local food movement, and I think that really makes a difference. And I think people are have begun to understand that that possibly paying a little more for food that is produced in Ireland makes uh, things better in Ireland, and 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 it kind of uh, it it helps um, uh, our food, our I suppose our food culture grow. And that's not to say, like I mean, of course, the the stuff that we import, like. Uh, avocados and different stuff. Of course, we can't grow them here, but it's when it's, it's the stuff that we grow here that's, that's really vital for Irish chefs to be using, whether it's potatoes or pork or fish. I mean, really, there, there are um, uh, alternatives everywhere in Ireland for, for stuff that, that, that we're importing. You are a major champion for Irish food at home and abroad. You're a Fulcher Ireland food champion. You go and speak at lots of different events all around the world yourself. In the past five years since you started Food in the Age, have you seen an improvement in within Ireland itself with chefs wanting to use more locally sourced in-season ingredients? Oh, de- uh, definitely, you know, and I think because there's a certain pride and even... Uh, talking to um, Tom Flavin in the Strand and from everything from his breakfast menu to the lunch menu, like everything is about this is where the food comes from. It comes from here and this is the person I know. And I mean, of course, the food is important and the food has to taste good, but it's also about the community that you create when you start um, buying local food. And that could be any, that could be from Donegal or Belfast or Dublin or Cork. 
I mean, we, we produce food all over Ireland and there is always a local supplier that for me that needs uh, that needs your help and and for me that's a, one of the one of the downsides of the of the new VAT increases. I mean, less about how it's going to affect the restaurant. I'm more worried about how it's going to affect the Irish producers because I'm worried that people will stop using them because the food costs they're going to look for cheaper food products and that's what uh, to to to, to was balance the difference. And so I'd be worried that. Our primary producers are going to suffer, like our beef farmers and our, our fishmongers and our cheese producers. And so it's really, really important to support whoever is in your area. The format for Food in the Age is very interesting in that it's not our long lectures. Just explain the way it's set up. It's, it's like they're kind of, I modeled it on kind of TED style talks. So each talk lasts between 12 and 15 minutes. Um, we have screens. In the in the artisan village and in the little bar, so like you can sit there, you can wander around, you can come in and out, you can look at the you can you can, you can go out to the art, you can spend the whole thing out in the artisan village and, and look at the talks on the screens. And so there are fifteen minutes. And this this year we have um we have a new element of conversation. So we're going to have two chefs in conversation with each other for twenty five minutes, and we have about ten conversations. So most of them are TED style talks. One one chef or person addressing the audience on their team and then we have some conversations and I think we have a few a few panels. And one of the other things that we introduced this year is we're going to have four or five master classes. And really what that is is we're going to try and have a more focused approach on some of the teams. So Matt Orlando who's been here many years, he's going to give a focused master class to fifty people uh, who are attending the, the symposium um about food waste and how he does it. So just trying to get into the practicalities because really what I think Matt is doing has uh, has knock on um, uh, has repercussions for all of the Irish chefs and I think they can they can learn from that and then they can they can they can make their own um, food better and you've a trio of fabulous Northern Irish ladies this year Diana Henry Claire Smith and Danny Barry which I think is uh, great absolutely. flying the flag yeah. for Northern Ireland here and Claire and uh, Danny have been before and they're always delighted to come back. And Diane is their first time coming. But Diane has been following it um, for, since day one and we've been chatting, saying, oh, you must come over. So Diane is, is moderating a panel on, on British food now uh, with Claire Smith, Nathan Outlaw, uh, Paul Cunningham, who is based in Denmark, but he's an English chef, and then Luke French, who's up in Sheffield. And So we're just trying to really promote diversity, but also at the same time look at how we think about things or what is British food or what is Irish food and why do we create these categories and, and I suppose what do we exclude when we create these categories and again it's an open-ended question and that's really what I encourage people to do is to come to Food in the Edge whatever aspect of the industry they're involved in, whether they're a, a farmer or whether they're a restaurateur or a hotelier or a journalist or I mean, there is something for everyone who is involved in food. And that certainly sounds like a, a fantastic discussion that will not to be missed, as are many of the others. And I just want to say about Danny Barry a couple of years ago, whenever I was there, like she was up on stage and she said, look, you know, here we are, we're talking about all of these issues, but what are we going to do? Because often at conferences, there's a lot of talk, 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 but then there's no action. But call to action is one of the key aspects of Food in the Edge. No, absolutely. And that's why we try and bring chefs back, because then you, to a certain degree, you hold them to account. You say, well, you were here last year. What have you done since? 
So rather than just bringing everybody once and then they're gone and then you don't know what happened. So we like we try and measure in to some degree what um uh, what the chefs are doing. So every year Matt comes back, he has different stories, new strategies of how he's packing food waste in his in his business and I mean this will be Danny's um second or third time here and I think it's I think it's really great. And Danny's a brilliant ambassador for Irish food. And I, 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 I'm always, um, um, I suppose I'm always interested to see what she has to say. So if you were asked, okay, what is going to be your highlight over the two days? If you had to pick one or two things, I know that's a very difficult question for you to answer, but I'm putting you on the spot here. What is it that you're really looking forward to this year? Who are you really looking forward to hear talking? Oh God, that is a very difficult question. Um, because uh, it's difficult because I always think the, the people that we the, the 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 superstars that we bring over I always look forward to seeing them and then I'm always taken aback by by uh, the, some of the lesser known chefs that we that we bring and it's always those little kernels of surprise that um, that I love like last year we had a beer the Palestinian chef who was based in Chicago. Whom I knew very little about, and that, that for me that was one of the highlights of last year. So I mean, I'm really looking forward to see Paul Cunningham, who's a two Michelin star British chef who's been living in Denmark for 15 or 20 years, who cooks French food. And I, I, I love that mix. And, and Paul is a is a very down to earth guy, and I think he's a great food philosophy. But he also has a great kitchen philosophy, and I'm really looking forward to him talking. I've been asking Paul the last couple of years to come over, and I think he is a really great ambassador for not only for food, but I think for the chef industry. And if, I mean, I think that's who probably I, I'm, I'm looking forward to. We, we, we really try to focus on diversity this year. So we have people from everywhere um, and from all types of uh, food, from all walks of life. And really, that was the key thing is like, how do we get more diversity? Because we can learn from that in Ireland. Sometimes we're a bit, uh, um, a bit of a, I suppose, myopic in Ireland that we don't, the, the, the different cultures that are here, and how do we how do we how do we engage with them, and how do we how do we uh, how do we how do we use them to make Irish food better? Like we've so many Polish in Ireland, we've so many Brazilians in Ireland, and like they all have food cultures of their own. So um, it, it, for me, it's really interesting to see what the what these um, speakers will bring to food on the edge. I'm sure people wonder how you get all these high caliber speakers to come along. Do they get in touch with you? It was day one you had to go out to them and, and encourage them to come. But I would imagine you're inundated with people now that want to come over to speak. It's probably fifty fifty. We do get a lot more um people contacting us, which is amazing. I mean we we have um a speaker from uh speaker from Canada who's working with uh Native uh, Indigenous uh, people in in Canada, and he contacted us. And uh, we have two um, the two sisters who have a bakery in Alaska, and um, uh, it was Jess Murphy who put uh, them onto us. And um, so it's it's just really nice. Like it's it's uh, for for such a large place that the world is. It's it's nice that we have people reaching out to us saying, "I heard about the, this conference, and it's in Ireland, and I'd love to come." And this is what I do. And we're always looking for people who are. Who, who cook, but also have who so, have some aspect of social activism, or what are they doing? And whether that's baking bread for their community, or that's working with indigenous people, or it could be something as simple as setting up a cafe in a in a town that I suppose had no food culture beforehand. I mean, and all of that is is in all of that is um, is interesting for Ireland because we have all of those 
all of those problems and all of those things to, to do in Ireland as well. And after the two days, then you take the speakers out and about to different producers, and this year you're bringing them down to Limerick. We are indeed. So we're heading down from Galway um, through the burn, and then we're bringing them to Limerick where the the Strand is putting them up. We're going to take them on a little tour of Limerick and then also the city and then also to bring them through producers in the county. And, like, and that's why, I mean, uh, the the board is so important for us. I mean, the, Limerick, the county council, both Limerick and Leo, and like all of them are, and the Strand, all of them are, are in the same way that all of them assist us in, um, in Galway as well. So there's, there's a lot of goodwill. But there's also... Um, uh, like a huge, obviously, they cost three hundred thousand euro to run, and so we need, I suppose, Irish chefs to support it. And so there are tickets still available. So I encourage anyone in the industry to to, to come and I mean, and to experience it because I, I don't think you'd leave without. Uh, without a head full of uh, things that you can, you can apply to your own business. I totally agree. And it's Monday the 22nd and Tuesday the 23rd of October and you're in a new venue this year in NUIG. We're up in the college. I mean, I, I, as you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a PhD in my, in my spare time. And so, uh, I mean, I love, the, I love the college and I love uh, the city and I, I love trying to bring them together and that kind of like... Um, Centre for Learning and there's just so much and we have the artisan market open to the students in the lectures this year so I mean there is 16,000 people on campus and that's also great exposure for the 70 and 90 Irish producers that we have and just because the students are the next generation they're all in their I suppose uh, late teens early 20s and for them to find out about uh, this farmhouse cheese or this charcuterie I mean they're they're all very uh, I find young people are, are much more interested in food in, in say when we were in our early 20s there was a lot less people interested in this and so I just think it, like, it, it's a great thing and we want to keep Food in the Edge growing and, and as you know next year we're going to try and um, move it outside Galway we're going to have it in Galway uh, every second year so we're hoping to have it hoping to have it in Belfast but I haven't confirmed it yet so uh, but that is the, the desire you know, well, we'll, we will keep our fingers crossed that that comes to fruition. In the meantime, absolutely, a fantastic program. Well done to you and your team because I know you have a great team of oh, people there behind yeah. you that that help you put it all together. And best of luck with it. Thanks so much, Sharon. You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan, sponsored by the Taste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Chef JP McMahon shared details about this year's Food on the Edge, which takes place next Monday the 22nd and Tuesday the 23rd of October. Visit foodontheedge.ie for more details. If you want to catch up on Best Possible Taste, it's repeated on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to online on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast up and it's also on the taste.ie website. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks to my guests, Anne Maher, Deirdre McMahon and JP McMahon. No relation as far as I know. Thanks to you for listening and don't forget to get in touch with your food and drink news, recipes and events. Email me s.noonan at live.ie I'll be back next week so until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. 
To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.